Welcome to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. Through this podcast series, you'll become educated on the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and gain practical knowledge on how to apply what you learn in daily life. Listen and learn about each of the 30 articles and actions you can take to help promote and protect these human rights for yourself and others. Here's your host, United for Human Rights Ambassador and President's Volunteer Service Award recipient, Ellen Firestone. everyone. In today's episode, we are going to cover Article 21 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the right to democracy. This article has three parts. One, everyone has the right to take part in the government of his country directly or through freely chosen representatives. Two, everyone has the right to equal access to public service in his country. And three, the will of the people shall be the basis of the authority of government. This will shall be expressed in periodic and genuine elections, which shall be by universal and equal suffrage, and shall be held by secret vote or by equivalent free voting procedures. We are fortunate to have a very special guest who is going to help us better understand this human right and how we are doing globally with getting true and full democracies working around the world. Lauren Swartz is president and CEO of the World Affairs Council of Philadelphia. The organization provides strategic, nonpartisan speaker programs, youth education, leadership training, and unique travel opportunities worldwide. The World Affairs Council hosts heads of state, private sector leaders, international experts, Nobel Prize winners, and more to advance their motto, Democracy Demands Discourse. Lauren leads all aspects of the organization. Lauren is also the Honorary Consul of Sweden for Pennsylvania, serving as the Swedish government's liaison to the state. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Ellen. We're going to learn a little bit more about the right to democracy. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights, as we know, was adopted in 1948 in response to the atrocities of World War II. Why do you think this particular article was so important at that time and still is to this day? Of course, post-war countries and individuals were struggling with the way to move forward with society. And I'm sure they were scared of a World War III having just finished World Wars I and II in close proximity. And there were all kinds of concerns, right? Hitler was elected, but then look what happened. And moving into the Cold War, communism versus different forms of government, democracy, and, and what type of government do people want and might they be entitled to had to have been top of mind for people to try and project what society might look like going forward and what role they wanted to play in it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And just uh, curious on your opinion, how do you think we've done with this human right since then? And what countries do you think do best at democracy? Since then, we've seen certainly a rise in the number of democratic nations or, or, or described as democratic nations. It's a fluid concept, I should say. You know, mm -hmm. in about in 1946, about 30% of the countries in the world were labeled democracies. And now it's about 50%. And that rise really started in the mid-1970s. And, and now it's a bit leveling off. You know, there's questions out there. Are we hitting peak democracy and and what are the alternatives and, and can democracy forge further into other nations or can nations become more democratic? These are big questions out there. Mm -hmm. And when we think about who, what nations are, are best at democracy, right, that's a bit subjective. 
you could say how many people are living in a democratic country. So then you might look at a place like India, right, which is a very large, the largest democracy in the world. But when you look at different ratings for satisfaction for citizens, do they feel like they live in a true democracy where their voices and their votes count? The countries that sit on top of that list are are what you might expect. Most of Scandinavia, as well as Canada, are ranked highest by their own cities as being democratic. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And that brings up an interesting question as well. The the United States was once considered the role model of democracy, and obviously there's still a perception in the U.S. that we still are. But are we really in the eyes of other countries? I think that's, that's a very good question to be asking right now in 2021. I think that perception is shifting. You're right, Ellen, that the United States is not always viewed any longer as the premier democracy or the arbiter of democracy around the world. And when you look at different rankings from Pew or The Economist, the United States is not in the top tier of what we call full democracies. We're in a tier called flawed democracies, as are many of our uh, allies and nations that we think of as democratic throughout Western Europe for example, but there have been many recent events in the U.S. that have shifted that for us. And whether American citizens realize that we are perhaps becoming a bit less democratic or not remains to be seen. But I do think the rest of the world is looking at the United States and saying, can their democracy hold? Will it hold? And what needs to change? And can we still look to them as this leader in infusing democracy and democratic ideas throughout the whole world? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I know me personally, as an American citizen, I like to think that we we do, we still are the leader. But obviously, like you said, Lauren, there are there are things we obviously need to change. So then mm-hmm. if we are not, or, you know, if we can't gain that, that role model viewpoint of other countries back, who steps in as that role model? That's a fantastic question, Ellen. As we see so much power shifting towards Asia, financial power, demographics, populations, innovation going towards Asia, I think it's good to ask that first question. Is there a leader within Asia that could serve as an additional leader of democracy or maybe the way that the world is shifting? Could it be India with their size and their elections and things like that? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, India's democracy has a lot of strengths, but of course, a lot of challenges and such a diverse and big and broad country. Reigning together a democracy there is, is a work of art and science. Taiwan is a country that is scoring ever higher on the full democracy scale. They're doing quite well, but of course, that is under the shadow of being right next to China, who is not interested in China, in Taiwan becoming more and more democratic. And we see the pressure and challenges going on in Hong Kong of how China is having that play out within the region. I think countries like Scandinavia that score very high on the full democracy scale, I wonder if they're too small for the whole world to look towards them as models, maybe too homogeneous and have too much of a sort of perfect system that seems almost unattainable for a country that's trying to move from a more authoritarian or hybrid regime into democracy. You know, is Sweden too aspirational? Do you need something in the middle that will serve as a role model? And and so then maybe that does lead the US as the leader because our democracy is messy. And that's part of what makes it beautiful and makes it function because it's run by people and people are messy too. Yes, very interesting. So, 
you know, this, this document is universal and each human right is supposed to be universal. And you had mentioned that about 50% of countries are, you know, consider themselves democratic at this point, but how many countries really have true democracies? Only about 14% of countries as of 2020 are rated as being true and full democracies, about 23 countries. And a really important point to look at is how many people does that cover? Which 23 countries? That's only about 8.4% of the world's population are in a true democracy. If you add the category called flawed democracies to that, then you get to about 52 or 50% of nations and 50% of the world's population. Right. And of course, we want the true democracies. So then to bring this more towards 2020, 2021, what role, if any, has COVID played in ensuring genuine elections? I think there's a lot of different answers to that question. We see many examples and have seen many examples of people, of countries restricting voting access, delaying elections, moving them, putting requirements in place for people to vote in ways that are cumbersome. So there's a a significant feeling out there that COVID restricted access to the most democratic exercise we can do, which is to go vote. Mm-hmm. In the United States, we saw that in our own country, with primaries being pushed back, voting res- voting locations changing at the last minute to accommodate COVID restrictions and things like that. At the same time, in our country, in many places, people have been home and they have been able to read and research and listen to the news and understand their own government in a way that perhaps we hadn't paid enough attention to in the recent past. When you Mm -hmm. turn off all the noise of your day-to-day life and you're relying on your government to tell you whether you can even leave your front door or your kids to go to school, there's been a resurgence of individual interest and passion for understanding government, which has led to things like higher voter turnout in other places. Yes, very good point. And then that that brings up another interesting topic. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the role the media and social media plays in fair and free elections? There's a tremendous amount of concern around the world at think tanks and, and former leaders and elected officials about the role of media and social media. I think most advocates of democracy see the media and a free and fair press as the fourth pillar of checks and balances, say, in our country. We celebrate it and we need it. However, social media has turned a lot of things on on their heads. And in some ways, social media seems like one of the most small d democratic tools we have. It's super flat hierarchy. It's accessible to all. It's 24-7. You don't have to be home at five o'clock watching the nightly news to find out what's going on. You can get it translated and it's accessible. However, there aren't that many checks and balances, right? Social media is not that regulated. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of misinformation and flawed information or going down the rabbit hole of what your social media provider thinks that you want to hear and read and that becoming true and true and truer without the other side ever coming across your screen. So I think most people view social media as a challenge to democracy, but also a tool to become more democratic once we figure out, if that's possible, how to harness its power. And different governments in different countries are approaching this in unique ways. For example, in China, we see a lot of censorship and control over social media and what people can post and what platforms are accessible. In other countries like Iran, for example, they have leaned in to social media from a government standpoint 
to try and have more access to their views and leaders. So they're very active on Clubhouse, for example, a new social media platform, and have said, we can't keep Iranians off of social media and off of Clubhouse, so we will join them. And we will put our views, some many would say propaganda, out in front and almost bomb the system oh, wow. with the government's perspective and do things that look like they're open and democratic and social media, but actually it's very government controlled and they're using those platforms to their advantage. Wow. Yes, a tool could be good or bad, right? Indeed. Um, so lastly, what can we the people do to promote and protect this human right? What are some key actions we can take? Certainly the number one thing that anyone who has access to voting should do is vote and vote in every election, not just the big ones for presidents or heads of state. But as we see in our country, things like school board elections and local municipal judges are, are becoming platforms for access to leadership and elected official credentials to then move up into the mayor and the senator role and things like that. So vote consistently and inform yourself. But that only happens maybe once a year, maybe you know a little bit more than that uh, in an election year. And that's not enough. So you really have to do your best to stay informed. I think going back to the social media thing, make sure you read different types of news and don't rely on your phone to tell you what to read, which is of course feeding you information based on the algorithms of what it thinks you want to hear. So if you watch CNN in the morning, watch Fox at night. If you listen to NPR, flip over to a different radio station and, and talk radio in your local community and see what they're saying. And if you're looking at it from a global perspective, go read the newspaper in another country. Most big countries have English language newspapers where you can get an outside in view of not only what's going on in our country, but what's going on there. So when we think big about democracy, it is comparative. And we might learn something from reading, say, The Globe or Le Monde or China Daily about the world's opinion of what's going on in our country that can help us have a broader view and ensure that our government will stay strong for a long time. Excellent tips. And, you know, I know, too, for, for the United States, a lot of the senators and Congress people have their own websites, and it's very easy to contact them and communicate with them. Like you said, it's not just a vote once a year, but to, to stay engaged and communicating with your representatives, because they are there to represent us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, still want to hear from their constituents. There's mm-hmm. a lot of concern about politics and money and big corporate donors and PACs and super PACs and dark money in our elections. And that's uh, for a different podcast on a different day. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but if, when you pick up the phone and call your elected official, they will listen to you and get your friends to do it. That's where you could use social media. Hey, everybody, put it on Facebook or Instagram or what have you. Call our elected official and ask for X, Y, and Z. Write a template for a letter and make it really, really easy for people. You can start a petition on change.org. There's lots of ways that technology does make it more of a flat hierarchy and easier to get access to elected officials. And they are worried, as we see in the way the primaries go in this country, people really are worried about the very local politics that drive their success in the primaries that put them in very powerful leadership positions in the future. Yes, exactly. So Lauren, is there anything else you'd like to say about this particular human right? I think it's when I was talking to colleagues about doing this podcast, most people said, wow, democracy is a human right. I didn't know that, which has sparked quite a bit of interesting discussion. And I would 
challenge people to think about that. Do you think that democracy is a human right? And if you do, what are you doing about it? That's a question we should all ask ourselves. Very, very true. So thanks so much, Lauren, for sharing your knowledge and for helping us better understand the importance of this human right and some things that we can do about it. Very good. Happy to connect with you, Ellen, today. Thanks for the opportunity. You are welcome. Have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. The right to democracy, along with all 30 human rights, are there for our protection against people who might want to do harm. They are also there to help us get along with each other and live in peace. Know all 30 of your human rights and help others do the same. Thank you for listening to Know Your Rights with Ellen Firestone. To learn more, visit thefirestone.org.